0: Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia.
1: Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We
0: hope you enjoyed today's message. This is a big day. We celebrate fathers. We honour our father in heaven in a massive way, and that's what today is about. We've dedicated babies, which is always fantastic. And today's the 19th birthday of the church. That is that is an amazing thing. Most church plants are lucky to last 18 months, let alone 19 years, and growing and flourishing and being significant and influencing and launching books. Congratulations, Chad. Congratulations. I don't know what you know about producing a book, but I'll tell you, it is a an incredible task to be able to do that, let alone get it published. So today, we're in a series about heroes, which you will know about, we're doing that. One of the things we've been doing here at Bayside is raising up young preachers, and there's a few of them still to come. But today, the preacher for today is a son of the house. Jesse. Very.
1: It's all yours Jesse. Thanks Rob. How's it going? Good. Um, as Rob mentioned we're talking about heroes at the moment and so I wanted to talk about one of my favourite heroes today uh, which happens to be David and particularly the story of David and Goliath. Uh, so I reckon it's best if we get straight into the Bible. So if you can grab your Bible or Bible app uh, and head to 1 Samuel 17. So in the chapter 16. Uh, Samuel was asked to go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons as king. That's, yeah. (laughs) It's definitely not the reason I like David. No, but, (laughs) but, uh, so he went to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons as king, and Jesse brought out all of his sons, most of his sons. And Samuel looked over each one from eldest to youngest and, you know, asked God what he thought. Was this the one? And for each one of them, God replied to Samuel, and told him that that isn't the one. And eventually he got through almost all of the sons and had to ask Jesse if there was any more. And Jesse mentioned that David was out in the fields. And as soon as Samuel had one look at uh, David, God told him that is the one. And Samuel anointed him as king. And the presence of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And we continue the story in 1 Samuel 17, which hopefully you've turned to by now. Uh, So, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soka in Judah. They assembled at Ephesim between Soka and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. This is a classic standoff uh, war manoeuvre. Both of the teams had the high ground at this point And so neither of them wanted to go attack the other because they'd surely lose. And so they decided to both send out their best uh, best champion, and theirs was Goliath, but the Israelites didn't choose one at that point. So Goliath was said to be about 6'9", and some say even 9 foot, uh, but we'll go with a conservative estimate today because even 6'9 is huge. We've, uh, <laughs> that's extremely tall. He's, the estimates of his armour range from 130 kilograms to 300, but again, even 130 kilograms is a lot. Our uh, resident CrossFit master, Dan, I was chatting to earlier this week, Um, can overhead squat 90 kilos at his best. And thinking that Goliath was able to carry 130 kilos on his body and was still nimble enough to fight in in hand-to-hand combat is insane to think about. The, uh, The Israelites were so scared of him that even seeing him in the valley just shouting at them, they ran away. He was that big that from across a valley they could see. Um... So at this point, Goliath then proceeds to yell out insults to the Israelites, questioning their God and their strength as a nation. He does this for 40 whole days, with the Israelites being dismayed and greatly terrified. Uh, David was then asked to take supplies to the camp, uh, and he went to the battle lines to greet his brothers. So David at this point was probably about 19. He he had just become a young man, um, or was about to become one. So he was quite young. Uh, So verse 20. Yeah. <laughs> Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with a keeper of supplies, rented the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw this man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, What will happen to the man who kills this Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking uh, with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? (laughs) He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and they answered the same as before. And what David had been saying was overheard by Saul, and Saul asked for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Uh, One of the most important parts of the story to me is that David walked into this camp, saw this massive six-foot-nine dude with shining armor standing there yelling at the Israelites. And as soon as he saw this guy, he knew that whoever would go down and fight him would win, because they had God. But not only that, he offered himself. Uh, David had not been to this valley while Goliath had been there taunting them, and on first sight of Goliath, he decided to step forward. And I think it's important that the writer probably intended for this to come across as well. Whoever the writer of this was, we don't know. It was possibly Samuel. Um, But it says in here that Goliath shouted a usual defiance. Other versions say usual taunt or the same words as before. At this point in the story, it puts no weight on Goliath's words. It puts more weight on the fact that David heard the words, that someone was bad-mouthing the God of Israel, David heard this and he wouldn't stand for it. Some Bibles title this section as David accepts the challenge. He not only trusts in God, the battle is won, but puts himself forward. Uh, In verse 33, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I seized it by its hair and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. This brings me to my first point today, which is that you fought Goliath before. In year six at school, I was being bullied by a few kids pretty much every week for about six months. And... You know, I'd obviously gone to the teachers and principal, and they weren't able to do anything about it. Went to my parents as well, um, and they couldn't help much. It was at school. And, you know, at this moment, I kind of, after about six months of this, I couldn't handle it myself anymore, so I had to go to God. It took me a bit long, uh, but I learned that lesson in the future. Um, so I was at a youth youth worship session, and in the middle of these worship songs, I got down on my knees and I just surrendered it all to God and said, God, you take care of this. I can't anymore. And at this moment, I was on the ground on my knees and I opened my eyes. And I was sitting on this like beautiful white path. Um, there was bright white everywhere. And on this path were all these houses. And it was what my brain thought heaven was at the time. And so I looked up this path that I was in the middle of. And standing in the middle of it was Jesus with his arms wide open, just waiting for me. And, you know, I went and embraced him, and it was this beautiful, like in the parable of the lost son where the father's waiting with his arms out. It was this awesome thing. And from that moment on, whenever these kids tried to talk to me at school, I don't know whether it was because they saw something or just because I had a new sense of confidence in Christ and identity that I was able to, you know, stand up. Because I'd From that point on, I imagined that Jesus was standing right next to me. And he was probably like six foot something. And, you know, looking at these kids in front of me who were trying to tease me didn't mean anything because he was standing right there and was there with me. I had a new identity in Christ and from that came a new sense of confidence. So from that day forward, I carried myself differently. I love to think of this scenario whenever I'm going through something in life because it reminds me to take my eyes off of whatever problem I'm currently facing and reminds me of what Jesus has already done in my life. The Bible makes note of how as a young kid and teenager out in the fields, David had taken down his fair share of lions and bears. It says that he yanked sheep out of these animals' mouths, and if they did anything in retaliation, he grabbed them by the hair and killed them. I don't think this point is you know, talked about as much as it should in this story, because it's, he grabbed them by the hair yanked the sheep out of their mouth, and then struck them dead. It is, it's amazing because when you think of these things that David has gone through, him fighting a giant is not that crazy. It's, <laughs> he's fought lions and bears. Um, when you spend so much time looking forward at the problem you're currently facing, you start to lose all sense of context. But when we take a step back and look at what we've accomplished through Christ in the past, the Goliath in front of you doesn't seem so big anymore. David tore apart bears and lions with a stick and some rocks, yanking sheep straight from these animals' mouths. It's insane. (laughs) And, you know, I I like to think of the parable of the talents in this scenario, Matthew 25. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey." The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the one with one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Everyone loves to attribute this verse to being given good things and talents and gifts from God um, and being faithful with that and receiving more. And this is definitely true. But I also love to look at this story um, and think about being able to handle the trials and tribulations we're given, the not-so-good things in our life. In James 1, 2-3 it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Corinthians 10:13: God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Romans 5:3-5, which is my favorite. Let us glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Um, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. To me, this really shows the immense love that God has for us. God gives us lions and bears knowing that one day we're going to face a Goliath. Is that not not a more loving God than one who just chucks us straight in front of a Goliath? My my parents didn't keep me from the world and bubble wrap me and try and protect me from everything. Um, Because I wouldn't learn anything and wouldn't be the person I am today. If you trust in God fully and give your heart to him, we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Uh, We'll continue reading in verse 38 where David is chatting with Saul. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the philistine. Meanwhile, the philistine, with a shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This brings me to my second point today, which is you're not alone. I feel like the author places quite a prominence that nobody's really with David during this time. Um, When he goes and talks to his eldest brother, the NIV says he's burning with anger. He scolds him and says, you know, your heart's not in the right place. When he went to see Saul about fighting Goliath, Saul told him no at first, and it took a lot of convincing uh, to get him to be able to go fight Goliath. Even walking onto the battlefield, Goliath walked out with an armor bearer, but David walked alone. But in all of this, David makes clear that he's not alone. The Lord has been with him every step of the way. In fighting the bears and lions, God was with him. In fighting Goliath, God is with him. David knows the Lord is right beside him and with him in this. David had the Holy Spirit and so was never alone, and he knew that. And the great news for us is that we don't need to be appointed by a prophet to receive the Holy Spirit. All we need to do is that, acknowledge that Jesus died for our sins and accept a relationship with him. That's awesome. Like, um, God will always have your back and be by your side so you will never be alone. In year nine, I had another experience with the Holy Spirit after another round of bullying. I had a bit of a streak with that. move, move schools uh, halfway through the year, which is never the greatest thing because everyone's kind of all settled in Um, and don't want any more people joining in their little groups. Um, And so, you know, I had to deal with some more stuff, and maybe a week or two into it, I decided I should go to God. Still a bit long, but it was better than the six months I waited the first time. Uh, And so we had a youth camp at this time, and there was another worship session. And during the worship songs, I got down on my knees again and just surrendered it all to God. And this time... I, as I was on my knees, I felt like I was in this stream and I opened my eyes and I was in this, you know, muddy battleground with this shiny armor on and had a double-edged sword in my hand with a shield in the other. And I looked around me and saw there was millions of people around me with the same armor and shield. And I looked carefully and I noticed it was you guys. It was my friends and family. Or well, my friends were all alongside me and I looked ahead and it was, you know, my family and church family and the leaders of this church um, were all wearing this armor. And I looked at the front of the battlefield, and there were these, you know, demons attacking. But we were just kind of treading over them, just sprinting through them. And in the front of this fight was this massive figure, Jesus, with a flaming sword in his hand, you know, chopping down these things. It was like a Lord of the Rings scene, where all the good guys from Middle Earth, you know, charging through, and all the demons are falling off the cliff. It was great. Uh, And, you know, even above Jesus, there was these lines of angels in the sky, with flaming swords as well, uh, swooping down. And I was watching this for a few minutes, and then, like you do in dreams sometimes, you kind of escape your body. I'd started floating up and seeing things from a different perspective. And as I got higher and higher, the battlefield kind of changed. And once I got to where God was sitting, I looked down And there wasn't a battle anymore. We were dancing and singing. Because the battle had been won from God's perspective. We'd already won the battle. We we were fighting it currently, but he was seeing the big picture, the finished picture of the finished battle, and seeing us glorify him in our victory. My favourite portraits of the, the fight between David and Goliath are the ones where... The typical ones So you've got David and Goliath, David's this small kid with his slingshot, bright-eyed and handsome, and you've got Goliath as this big, rough guy. But I've always imagined standing behind David is this massive figure of God, looming over them both and shadowing over both of them. Because um, it feels that way sometimes in life, where you're looking at these giants and they seem huge, but we seem to forget <clears throat> sorry, that, that right behind us, God is you know shadowing over Anything that we can come across. In all of this, God wants you to know, no matter what you've been through, how many of your family and friends have scolded you, or how alone you feel you are, God is always there. Uh, We'll continue reading in verse 46. So David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, uh, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. The best part of the story. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by a sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. This brings me to my final point today, which is that God's won your battle, you just need to fight it. David walked into this without a shadow of a doubt of his victory. And why wouldn't he be confident? He has the God that created the universe on his side. This God got them through Egypt. This God split, you know, a whole river in half. He proclaimed his victory before the battle had even begun because he knew he had God and was prepared for this moment. In one of my favorite songs, Surrounded, the words encapsulate this perfectly. I believe you've overcome. I will lift my song of praise for what you've done. In the valley I know that you are with me and surely your goodness and mercy follow me so my weapons are praise and thanksgiving this is how I fight my battles it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you Psalm 23:5 says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows we have a God that is so great and mighty that we can sit and eat in the presence of our enemies that's such a powerful point that we can, we're so com- we should be so comfortable and so confident in the things that we're going to face, that we can sit and eat one of the most vulnerable things right in front of them in the face of whatever they're facing. Um, before we get into worship and the band leads us in that, I just want to pray for everyone today. So if you want to put your hand on your heart or hold your hands out to him, whatever feels most appropriate to you. Um, Lord, I, I pray that you give everyone here today a renewed sense of you know, identity in you and a renewed sense of confidence in knowing who you are and what we can achieve in you. I pray for those that might feel alone or that they're not, yeah, they're alone in this, but no matter what, you are always there for them. And I pray for those that are currently fi- fighting a Goliath and they can look back on what they've already done in you and put this problem in perspective and context and know that you've got them. And I pray for everyone today that we may see the battles you have put before us and go charging full of confidence and faith, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit with us. Yeah, let's sing this together if the piano works yeah, yeah. <laughs> and proclaim this over your life today. Yeah.
0: I'm Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia.
1: Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's message.